Well, one, one other thing I want to mention um, that's, that's big on my heart. we got lots of stuff going on, but this is for the men. Men, our men's retreat is coming up. And, uh, and here's my hope. My hope is that every man who, who comes or that we can get our hands on comes up with us up the mountain. It's going to be an amazing time. I realize that, that we're all busy, right? And there's always 100 excuses why, you, why it wouldn't be convenient to go. But please, please, please don't listen to those. And come. I'm going to be um, sharing. We're going to be sharing from a passage that Paul gives to Timothy um, in, in his letter. And it's about being men who lead by example. And, and so we're going to be looking at that all weekend. So sign up. It's $150. Um, it's good food, good fellowship. Get connected. Get recharged. Get refueled. Get some traffic, you know, because Friday night takes, takes a long time. But learn, pay, get, get an opportunity to practice patience. Whatever it is, but just come, okay? If you guys would open your Bibles to John chapter 15, that's where we're going to be at this morning. Very cool passage. Um, Basically, let me just kind of fill you in on John. We've been going through John the whole year. The first 11 chapters of John are are basically like Jesus' life, um, his whole life, very little bit about his life before his public ministry, but mostly about his, his public ministry, which lasted between like two and a half and three and a half years, usually people will say Jesus was, his ministry was three years long. It's kind of an average of what, what theologians debate about. And that their debate is based on, on how many Passovers we see in the gospel, right? Passover is a, is a Jewish holiday. They have seven big feasts, seven holidays during the year if you're Jewish. And Passover was one of the big ones, right? And so right now, from, 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 from all the way to a chapter, uh, ele- through chapter 11, we see all of these things that Jesus is doing. The main thing that we see is that Jesus is literally claiming to be God, and he's performing like bona fide miracles that nobody can kind of can kind of like get behind and, and prove that that they're not real miracles. So Jesus is claiming to be God, and he's doing miracles, and s- people are confused about who he is. People are trying to figure it out. Many people are opposed to him. They hate him, right? And so he's he's he's. He's done this in about two and a half to three and a half half years. He's created controversy. He's very controversial. Now, in chapter 12, Jesus walks into Jerusalem. We don't know exactly how many Passovers there were that's debated about, but we know that this is the last Passover. He's walking into Jerusalem. It's a seven-day feast, right, Passover, that the Jewish people would all celebrate. It's one of the... um, one of the pilgrimage feasts, there was three during the year that if you're Jewish, you would come from wherever you come from and you would come to Jerusalem. So everybody has come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Jesus has come with his disciples. He comes with the triumphal entry, right? That's where we started in, 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 uh, in John chapter 12. And then quickly, John chapter 13, we move to Thursday. It's Thursday, right? If you, if you know the sequence, Friday morning, Good Friday, Early in the morning, Jesus is going to be, he's going to be grabbed. He's going to go through a whole process where they're trying to accuse him. He's going to be crucified. And he's going to come off the cross right before, right before um, the, 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 uh, right before it it becomes evening, right? And so we're in this, in this moment, we're going to step back one day. It's Thursday night. We have from chapter 13 all the way through chapter 17, is all about one night. 11 chapters is about 30 years, 33 years. Four chapters 
now is about one night. It's called the Farewell Discourse. Jesus just dropping truth bombs, right? He's saying a lot of things. He's, there's some things he keeps repeating. Love each other. You've got to love each other. You've got to love each other. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to help you continue my mission. That, that there's a mission. Love each other. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. Continue my mission over and over again, right? John chapter 15, where we're going to end today, is really kind of this sequence where he starts off by, with this. He goes like, love God, love God. Love each other, meaning your brothers and sisters in Christ, other Christians, love each other, right? Love God, love each other. And then he's going to get to this hard part and love your enemies. Love God. And literally goes, abide in Christ, abide in me. He gives this analogy where, with, with, where we're the branches and he's the vine and we have to stay connected to him. I like to call that be a Christian first. Be a Christian first. What I mean by that is, oftentimes if you're a Christian, you just want to go out and do and do and do. And it's about doing and doing and doing and you're off doing and doing. He's like, that doesn't work. You need to stay connected to me. Take care of your relationship with me first. And then out of that, let, the, let some fruit grow. Let, let, let the, your producing come from your connection with me. So love me. My favorite verse is 1 John 419. It says, we love God because he first loved us. So in other words, remember God loves you. And then fall in love with him. Want to be close to him. And then you're going to be on this mission. You're going to have brothers and sisters, and they're going to get annoying. I mean, let's face it, right? Some of you guys are annoying. Raise your hand if you're annoying. Raise your hand if the guy next, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the fact is, is we all are a little bit, right? We all have issues, and when your issues come face-to-face with my issues, we have issues, right? But so get over your issues and love each other, right? That's super important. And then he gets into this even, even deeper part, and he goes, well, what do you do about the people who hate you? What about your enemies? And that's where we pick up today is in John chapter, first, uh, chapter 15, Beginning in, uh, in verse 18, I'll read all the way through the end of the chapter and we'll dig in a little bit. Jesus is speaking to his now 11, right? Jesus had 12 disciples and he doesn't have a 100% success rate, right? By this time, one named Judas has already bailed and turned on Jesus, right? And now he's got his 11. It's the last night, the farewell discourse. This is deep. This is a conversation. This is a thick conversation. And he goes like this to them. He goes, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you, were, if, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It says, remember, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, when the helper comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. It's pretty deep stuff, right? It's this, 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 this heavy conversation, and he starts off, or we'll start off in your notes with this. If you are a follower of Jesus, not everyone's going to like you. Anyone else in here like me, just, just, just a recovering people pleaser? I hate it when people don't like me. I hate it when people are, like, like are against me, when, when, they ha- when, they, when they just don't, won't accept me, right? I just do not like that. I remember my dad got me this job when I was in high school, umpiring baseball. And here's the thing. I love baseball, so it makes sense. And they paid me, and I love money, right? Especially when I was 16 and I needed gas for my vehicle. So it should have been a good job. But there was one thing I didn't anticipate hating about this job. No matter what you do, somebody hates you. Right? You're sitting there. I mean, the ball can go right down the middle. You go, strike, right? And then the kid, like, cries. Even though it's right down the middle and you're right, the kid goes down and some grandma's like, you meanie. I'm just doing my job, ma'am, right? But I hate not being liked. Right. And so there's this idea that that there's this tension about being a Christian. If we're honest, right, that not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to see Jesus as beautiful. Not everyone's going to think that you're doing like you're living a good life because you're, you're following Jesus. Not everyone's going to get it. And people are going to hate it. People are going to oppose it. If that's true, if we know that that's a fact, how will you handle being hated? How will you handle being hated? It's an important conversation, and Jesus has it with them at the end. How will you handle being hated? Because it's going to happen. Here's a couple things I think about. When I think about being hated, here's, there's, there's really two main ways that I handle it, and a third way that I wish I would handle it better, that I want to handle it better. And the first one is this. When someone hates me, and then hates a strong word, but they just disagree with me, they oppose me, they disrespect me, they look down on me, they don't value what I value, when, they, when, they, when, they're, when they're like not in favor of me, when they hate me, when they persecute me, when they do that, my first response is to get defensive and to want to fight back. No? Now, if you're like, if you're like in the mafia or if you're in a motorcycle gang, or, or if you're in a street gang, or if you have a, 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 a raised truck with mud tires that you only drive on the street and you wear a lot of affliction shirts and you have cauliflower ears, your probably first tendency is to fight with your fists, right? We don't all do that. When someone hates us, we don't always like want a fist fight. Some of us are more like, you know, mature than that. And we do it a different way, Right? What do we do? Oh, we give them the silent treatment. You don't like me? Well, I don't like you. Right? We do that kind of game. We talk behind their back. Right? We don't like them. We talk about how much we don't like them to other people when they're not around. Or we get real brave when we go online and we talk right in their face online. (laughs) We become an internet troll. Right? We do this. We get defensive and we want to fight back. Here's the issue, though. When you're being hated for your belief in Jesus Christ, for following Jesus Christ. Jesus never modeled an us versus them mentality. 
It was never us as Christians versus them, the bad ones out there that are not Christians. It was never that way. It was always Jesus for them. Jesus died for sinners. He was for them. He so loved the world. Now, when you, when you use the term world, we have to say this. In the Bible, there's three different types of world that's used. They, they use the world. One is, the world is creation, right? World is the world you live. It's a physical world, right? The Bible will talk about the world, and sometimes it's talking about creation, the ocean and the land, all of the things, right? World. Sometimes it's talking about the people that are in the world. Does God hate, is God opposed to the world? No. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, right? It's talking about people. The people, even people who aren't yet for Jesus, that's, there's, there's this, he looks at them as the world. And then there's a third one. The world is the system in the world that is opposed to Jesus. It's the thought processes. It's the philosophies. It's, it's everything that's, that, that's opposed to Jesus. That's not in alignment with Jesus. That's also known as the world. And that's what he's referring to. He's saying, don't be in that stream. That's the world that he's referring to. But you're in the world creation, and you need to love the world, the people, but don't get caught up in the world, the systems that are opposed to God. Does that make sense? But, but Jesus modeled, he was for the people that are in the world, and he wanted to see them come to him. Is that true? So some of us get defensive and we fight back. Then, this is what I do. When people hate me, I, I, that's my initial response is defensive, fight back. Right? The church does a horrible job of that. We fight back, right? The next thing I do is I play the long game. Well, they hate me now, but if I change some things about myself, maybe they'll like me in the future. Right? It's like junior high all over again. Yep, I know I went to school and I was wearing the wrong shoes, but tomorrow... I'm going to go home tonight, I'm going to whine to my mom and tell her how she's ruining my life. She doesn't get me those shoes. I'm going to go up tomorrow, and then I'm going to be cooler, right? And, and so we can, we can get insecure, and we try to become like them. That's my next response. I try to fit in. And Jesus talks about this in his passage. He literally says what we all know. He goes, if you were of the world, the system that's against me, if you were of the world, then they would love you. If you were like them, they would love you. We all know that. So, the, so the, the tendency, the temptation is what? To become more like them so that they won't hate us, so that they'll love us, so that they'll like us. And he's like, don't do that. So now we have two things not to do. The world is going to hate you. It's going to be opposed to you because you know Jesus. Don't get defensive and fight against them. Don't get insecure and try to be like them. So what will we do? The third option is this. Get over yourself and point people to Jesus. And Jesus says this in a, in a way that's way more eloquent than me. He doesn't say, get over yourself. He goes like this. In verse 20, he goes, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me... They will also persecute you. In other words, he's saying, get over yourself, right? They're going to persecute you. They persecuted me. You're following me. They're going to persecute you. 
The opposition to this for me is what I call the God's kid entitlement syndrome. Maybe you might have this. The God's kid entitlement syndrome. Here's how it works. You probably have have experienced this in other realms where there's like somebody and they're and they're and they're maybe they have a lot of money or or their dad has a lot of influence and so they they kind of hide behind that and they have this entitlement like I'm better than everybody because of my status, I'm better than everybody because of who my dad is or who or whatever reason, right? I mean, isn't this like 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 in baseball, right? In little league, the coach's kid. Right? He feels entitled, the pastor's kid. They feel entitled to to more, right? And in our generation, we kind of feed this a little bit in Christianity. You're God's little princess. You're God's little princess. I'm going to give you a book cover that goes over your Bible. God's little princess. You're God's little warrior. You're God's little warrior, right? And then we, 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 we buy into it. Like, I'm so special, right? Because I'm God's little warrior. I'm God's little princess. And listen, he's the king. You're his daughter. You're his princess. I get it, right? I'm not trying to ruin your last women's ministry experience. But, <laughs> sorry, Brittany. But all I'm saying is this. I'm saying because you're his princess doesn't mean everything's going to go well. Hashtag blessed, right? I was driving today, and I prayed for a parking spot, and God's favor, he gave me one. Blessed life. So I'm blessed to be his kid. No, you're blessed to be his kid even if you don't get that parking space. Being blessed is not about whether or not you get the parking space. It's not about whether or not when, when affliction comes to you, it's not God being mad at you. It's life. He's like, you're going to get hated. It's going to be hard. How will you handle it? You're going to be actively going out and helping people see that they need Jesus, and they're not going to get it, and they're going to be opposed to you, and they're going to reject you because of that. It would be way easier to just not talk about that, right? But I want you to talk about that because they need me, and I want you to be for them. And they're not always going to like it. But he's like, guess what? Look at my last three, two and a half to three and a half years. I came town to town loving and serving and pointing people and letting them know that they need me. And many rejected me. You think you're better than me? Jesus talking to them. You think you're better than me? They rejected me. They'll probably reject you. you. You think you just need to know more? I know everything. You think you need to do more? There were some things I did that only God could do. I proved to myself to them with my actions, and yet they didn't believe me. They won't all believe you. In Matthew 5, chapter 11 and 12, it talks about hashtag blessed. It says this. It said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. I'd just love to see that once. I'd love to be the guy who changes things and goes like, yeah, some guy just punched me in the face. Hashtag blessed. And you think that's weird, but read Acts chapter 4. Peter and John walk in. No, they're dragged in against their will to the Jewish leaders. And the Jewish leaders beat them up. Like MMA, blood everywhere, beat them up. And they say, do not tell anyone else about Jesus. And they say, whether we should follow you or whether we should follow him, 
We're following him. And they go, no, we mean it. Don't do it. Worse will happen to you. They walk out of that hallway giving each other high fives because they were counted worthy of suffering like Jesus. Hashtag blessed. I just got beat up for Jesus. That was the early church. That's what it looked like. These are these men that were in this room. Both of them listened to what Jesus was saying. And they said, don't be against them. What did Jesus model? He dying on the cross. The people, the very people who crucified him. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They don't get it. What if we had that attitude? You hate me? That's because you don't understand yet. I'm going to see past that. I'm going to love you anyways. That's what Jesus modeled to me. And then the next big theme in here, which is awesome, is that we rep his name. Think about that. We represent his name. It says he chose you to be associated with his name. Jesus Christ chose you to be associated with his name. That is a super big deal, to be chosen. Now, you have to understand, in this first century context, it was not an AYSO generation. Everybody didn't get picked Everybody didn't get to play. Everybody didn't get a trophy. The fact is, is the way that you were born is probably the same status that you were going to die in. You were going to be born poor. You're going to be poor your whole life. And you really didn't have any opportunity to not be poor. This wasn't America. This is, this is you are who you were born, and that's it. There was only a couple of chances to move up in this society. One of them was this. You would go to school if you were a good Jewish kid, and you would go to school till you were about eight. And then you would go to, like, elementary school. And then you would go to your next level of school until you are about 13. When you were 13, you would do kind of like these, these rabbis would come around. You'd kind of do, like, placement tests. I mean, it was, it, that's not the language they use, but to give you kind of an idea of how we do things, they, they would do, like, a placement test. And the rabbis would do tests. And the rabbis, when they come to town, they would select some of the boys, 13 years old, and they would say, you, you're, I'm choosing you, come follow me, and I'll teach you how to be a rabbi. This was a huge deal, because if you were poor, if you were once, this was a way to escalate. To be a rabbi was a really big deal. It was honored. You had a chance. Jesus picked 12. All 12 of them are older than 13. Probably not that much. That means, and they were all Jewish, that means that every single one of them had a rabbi come and do a placement test with them, and they were not picked. They were not chosen. They were stuck. They were fishermen. They were other things. So, when Jesus comes on the shore of Galilee, and he goes, Peter, follow me. This wouldn't have been foreign to them. This was normal. Rabbis do that. But me? What's Peter's response? God, you don't even know who I am. I'm not good enough. Get away from me. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Jesus goes, I know who you are, Peter. I'm not a fool. And I'm picking you. Choose you. To be chosen by God is a super big deal. When he says, I chose you to these 11 He's reminding them 
I chose you out of the life that you were living, and I chose you to a better life, which is following me. And it's not going to be a better life in everyone else's eyes. It's going to be a better life because I'm the Lord, and you're following me. Letter B in your notes is this idea that he chose you is way more radical than you choosing him. Right? We can have this attitude, it's subtle, like, God, what more do you want from me? I said yes, that I would let you die for my sins. I said yes, I show up to church, I'm serving. What more do you want from me? As if, like, we did God this huge deal favor. And he's like, no, I came, I died for you, I love you, and I'm thankful for the work that you're doing, but let's not get this switch to where it's like, like, like we forget the idea that the fact that we've been chosen is a huge deal. The fact that Jesus died for us and, and receives us and is willing to have us carry his name. Now, let's just be honest. If Jesus' mission is to point people to Jesus and the Holy Spirit's mission is to point people to Jesus and to spread the gospel, if we're whiteboarding out a plan of action, if we're honest, right? If we're whiteboarding out of a plan, how many of you guys think on the top of your list is, why don't you give it to messed up people like us who are really selfish and insecure and really easily distracted? Why don't we give us the message and we'll go out and give it to our neighbors? How many of you guys think that would be the number one? I would be like, why don't you just like come down and like, like God, imagine God in the cloud just one day, just his head out and go, guys, I'm real. Like, whoa. Although he did, they brought, he sent Jesus, right? So it's a heart issue. But that's the deal. He gives us this message, messed up people. Like the 11 in that room were messed up ordinary people. We're messed up ordinary people. He gives us his message. And it's a really big deal. He wants to be associated, you to be associated with his name. Let's be the people that remember how radical it is that we're loved by God and called into this new kingdom to be his. And then he says this about this status. He says, you're no longer of this world. You're no longer of this world. That's the world system that's opposed to God. You're no longer of that world. What does that mean? It means you have a different way of looking at things than the world does. You have a different set of values than the world does. You have a different set of priorities than the world does. When I was in the world, and even still when I'm being worldly, if I'm honest, you know, because I'm far from perfect, I tend to have a value for, for and, and we call it greed. I value stuff. I value more money. value a bigger house. I value comfortable living. I value cool paint colors on my wall. I value things. I value food, tasty food that I like, right? I, I, my priorities are all about me, if I'm honest. Like, like, what's best for me most of the time? I don't say that out loud, but that's how I act, right? And that's a worldly value system. That's worldly priorities. He's saying, I'm called you out of that. You have a new, new set of priorities, a new set of values, I've called you out of the world. By the way, and I feel like I have to say this, this doesn't mean that if you're going to be associated with Jesus' name, 
that you have to kind of be associated with all of the people in the world, all the groups out there that call themselves Christians, right? If that's true, then I'm out. Because I'm not going to, I don't, I don't, I, I think some, some of the groups out there, their values are very different than I think Jesus' values are. I just don't see Jesus holding up signs in front of like, you know, like a 9-11 monument saying, this is God's judgment on the world because of America's sin. I just don't see God doing that. I won't associate myself with that group that calls themselves Christian. We don't have to associate with every group out there that calls themselves Christian. My tendency is to hate that group. Those are the biggest enemies to me. I repent of that. In that room, Jesus said, love your brothers. Love those people. I don't agree with them, but I want to love them better. But you're no longer of the world. You're, you're, you're called to a different, a different value system, a different mission. Our mission is this at this church. It's simple. Remembrance Community Church exists to passionately point people to Jesus. That's what we want to do. We have some values in this mission. Everyone matters. Everyone needs Jesus. That's the part that gets unpopular. Not everyone wants to admit that they need Jesus, but we believe everyone needs Jesus. Everyone's in process. Here's what I mean by that. Theologically, when, G- when, G- when, when your sin is nailed to the cross and you get God's righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, before God, he now sees you as clean. He sees you as, he doesn't see your sin. He sees you as righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. The, the theological word is, this is called justification. You don't need to remember that, but it just means that Jesus died for your sins and that now you can have a relationship with God. It's called justification. Jump forward, the Bible gives us new th- this other theological term called glorification. It means one day you're going to go to be with Jesus and you're going to have a new body and it's gonna, we call that glorification. He's going to glorify you. In between that is where we live now. In between justified and glorified, there's this whole process called being sanctified. Becoming, moment by moment, becoming more and more like Jesus. He's transforming us. He's morphing us. He's changing us. It's called sanctification. And it's a process. What we're saying is everyone's in process. We're not done yet. We don't get to look and go, you know what, those three, that person's three biggest sins are way worse than my three biggest sins. We don't get to do that. We just get to love each other and help each other in this process, right? Everyone's in process, and everyone has a part to play. But here's the, here's the amazing thing how he ends this, and we'll have the worship team come back up. He ends this with this. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to help you. It's going to be hard. Not everyone's going to like you. Don't be against them. Don't join their, their, their ways. Before them. And you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is going to help you. The Holy Spirit helps you witness, Jesus says. Right? The Holy Spirit helps you witness. Now, when we use this Christianese word called witness, here's what I mean. Point people to Jesus. Being a witness is being somebody who points people to Jesus. That's all it means. Point people to Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. We point people to Jesus. Right? That's what, he, that's what they need. It says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our need for Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our need for Jesus. Next week, we're going to look at this in John chapter 16, verse 8. It says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit 
goes before us to the people that we're going out to. The Holy Spirit goes, and it convicts them, right? That's why when, when, when it says that God chose you, it, I, I don't believe, my theology doesn't believe this. I don't believe that God willingly doesn't choose some. It's just saying you didn't pick him first. You didn't choose him first. He chose you first. In other words, he came to you first. Some of you guys in this room, you guys have been experiencing this. God's been knocking at your door, proverbially, right? You're, you're, like, circumstances have been happening in your life, and you've been kind of like, I think God might be trying to say something to me. He is. Literally, the Holy Spirit is coming and helping point you to Jesus. Will you say yes? You can say no. You can reject him. It says that. He says, even though I came, some reject. But the Holy Spirit comes to us. If he's been knocking at your door, I just want to encourage you, open it. Open it. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our need for Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit helps us point people to Jesus, right? As we abide in Christ, like he says in the earlier, as we stay close to Jesus, he begins to work in our lives. There's, there begins to be this impact of Jesus in our lives. People will see that. People will see the impact on our lives. And that's the Holy Spirit doing all of that. He's helping us point people to Jesus. And then finally, people's response is not up to you. Is that freeing? Jesus picked 12, and guess what? One of them fell away. One time Jesus was having a conversation with 5,000 people, feeding them food and telling about Jesus, and he starts talking about some serious things. You've got to eat my body and drink my blood, and all but about 100 of them bailed. Nice revival, Jesus. 5,000 to 100, what growth? Church growth plan, right? Because he wasn't about that, right? And it's up to the Holy Spirit, right? We Faithfulness equals pointing people to Jesus. Faithfulness equals being obedient to what God's called you to do. The results are up to him. We can't think success equals results. Success equals be faithful. The Holy Spirit is in charge. Billy Graham said this about this idea. He said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people. It's God's job to judge people. And he says, it's my job to love people. Let's go out and let's love people. Let's love God, stay close to him. Let's love each other even when we get annoying. My, me, I'm the most annoying, right? Love me even though I get annoying. And love people enough to realize that they desperately need Jesus, whether they want to admit it or not, and never stop caring about their eternal position. Never stop caring about them. Never stop pointing them to Jesus because they need him desperately, just like we need him desperately. It's the one thing that everyone on this planet has in common. We all need Jesus. Let's worship.